0: Philippians 2, beginning at verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfil his good purpose. and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ's. For he longs for all of you, and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then... Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honour people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me.
1: Thank you, Joy. Uh, Year six to eight, we're going to head out uh, for Bible study with Prue and Nathan. Please keep uh, that passage of your Bible open. Let's pray and and ask God to uh, help us as we look at his word. Our Father God, we thank you for your word and we ask that you would help us now, that you give us insight and understanding. Please shape us, work in us, we pray, that we would think and act in a way that uh, brings honour to you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's the the so-called golden rule. I'm sure you're, you're familiar with that. Uh, it's it's um, something that is expressed by many people in many different ways. It's how, how, do you, how would you th- like others to treat you? Well, then, that's how you should treat others. And uh, all sorts of cultures and, and people from different backgrounds have expressed this. It's, it's an ancient principle. Uh, Jesus uh, expressed it in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7, verse 12, Jesus it says Jesus said, So in everything, do unto others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. It's a foundational rule and it's something that we're, uh, we're raised on. I mean, which, which parent in disciplining their ch- uh, child hasn't resorted to, would you like it if someone hit you or teased you or called you stupid or whatever it is? Well then... Seems like a kind of knockdown argument, doesn't it? At least until the child screams back, but I, I didn't hit them because I thought they'd like it. I, I hit them because they're stupid and they're annoying and kind of raw selfishness still gets in the way of, uh, of the golden rule working. We like the golden rule, and uh, a lot of the time we, we, we live by it. You see it in, in times of natural disaster, when you know terrible things have happened, and, and people come together, and there's a, they pitch in and they help out, and there's this real community spirit, looking uh, a selflessness, a concern for others, looking out for others. There's this outpouring of, of generosity and practical care, as people give money and as they provide accommodation and support, and, and do whatever they can. We we do unto others. What we would love them to do unto us should we be in that situation. We, we live by this principle and often, uh, sorry, we like this principle and often we live by it as well. And yet, if we're honest, I think we also struggle with it. Sometimes looking after others is actually very costly to ourselves, it involves sacrifice and we struggle with this. At least I know I do. Maybe I'm the only, only one, though I suspect not. I think we struggle in, in big ways, in small ways. Um, there's the, the but I'm tired problem. I'd really rather not clean up the kitchen. Can someone else clean up the kitchen? But then I'd like someone else to clean up the kitchen for me, so therefore I should do unto others. But I'm tired. Or, or the kids need my help, but, but I want to watch that show on TV and I'm tired. Or maybe it's, yeah, look, I could help out with that, uh, that ministry at church, but that would, that would cost me time and effort. And sometimes we struggle with the I'm tired problem. I think sometimes we struggle with the it's not fair problem. And we get our nose out of joint. Why do I have to do this? Why me? Someone else should do this. I want someone else to do unto me. Why is it always me doing this unto others? It's not fair. We know this principle, we agree with it, often we live by it, but often we also struggle with it. And friends, today I want to encourage you and, and perhaps challenge you with one verse in particular. The verse is Philippians 2.4, it's not actually in the passage we just read, but it really sort of sums up and, and, and summarises and expresses the passage that we read. Philippians 2.4 says that we should live not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of. Of others, this is similar to the golden rule. This verse may be quite familiar, but it's radically powerful. It's profoundly radical. It's the this is the radical call of the true Christian life. That is, if we're. we're, If we're going to allow God to drive this into our hearts and to reshape us by it, then this principle will will actually radically and continually change our lives, indeed change our church. And I want to encourage you and challenge you with this one verse this morning. Don't look to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Now the word there, interests, is actually kind of a filler word in the original it's it's just open ended it, it's it talks about not looking to your own things but to the the things of others you could fill in the blank not looking to your own financial affairs property family reputation education success happiness don't don't think about and dream about and strategize and pursue your own pursue your own things but look to the financial affairs family reputation success happiness of others and why should we do this is it because we should because we should because we should because that's the golden rule no the reason we should do this is because that's what Christ Jesus has done for us and that's what Christ Jesus calls on us to do because we're following him When I I don't want to give up my interests and time and effort and money for others, when I think in my heart of hearts, why should I? It's because Christ Jesus did that for me. And he calls on me to do that for others. I am to do it simply because I'm following him. See what the next verse says, verse 5. In your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then as we saw last week, it goes on to explain how how Christ, what did he do? Well, he gave up everything for us, even to the point of death. That's our example to follow. Jesus is the one that we should follow because he's the one that God has exalted above every name. Every knee one day will bow. Every tongue confess that he is Lord. He, He is Lord. Therefore, well, we should follow him. And Paul knows this and he then goes on to give three examples of people who, who get this and people who live this. The first example is himself, Paul, verse 17. He says, But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. Paul, Paul is not looking to his own interests. He's being spent, he's suffering, he, he's sacri- being sacrificially poured out for their sake, for their benefit. That is, he's following Christ's example, which is why he can say, I'm glad and I rejoice with all of you. His sacrifice is for their benefit. Second example is Timothy. Verse 19. It says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ." But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Timothy exemplifies this mindset, this attitude. And when Paul says there, everyone looks out for their own interests. I don't think it's kind of a slight against Paul's other co-workers. You know, they're a selfish mob, but at least Timothy is okay. You know, I think he's saying the norm, the norm is just that that everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus. That's what happens. But in contrast to that, Timothy is a he's a shining example of, of what it is to be different. He's not like the norm. He's, he's like a son serving alongside his father in the work of the gospel. He has the interests of Jesus at heart. He's focused not on his own interests but on the interests of Jesus, which means that he shows a, a genuine interest, a, a concern for their welfare. So Paul, Timothy, third example, is Epaphroditus. What a great name, Paphroditus. If you're you know, looking for a baby name, there's, a, there's an idea. Paffy for short. <laughs> Paphroditus, he is the picture of other person-centeredness. I mean, the Philippians sent him to help Paul and then he got sick and, but he pressed on in his work regardless, verse 30 says, even though he nearly died as a result. But then what really distressed him was not that he nearly died, what distressed him was that the Philippians heard that he was ill and they're worried about him and so he's really distressed that they're worrying for him and he's a man who's not looking for his own, after his own interests, he's looking for the interests of others. And so Paul says, verse 29, so then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honour people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. So, where to be like Epaphroditus, like Timothy, like Paul, who are like Christ Jesus, our Saviour? Why should you look to the interests of others? Well, because that's what Christ did for you and that's what he calls on you to do and that's normal Christian living. That's what we're called to do. This is a principle to live by. We, we should look not, not look to our own interests but each of us to the interests of others. Our mindset should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So at home, when there's, when there's work to be done, when... The kitchen's a mess. The dishwasher's full of dirty dishes and the dishes are all piled up and the house is a mess because there's stuff everywhere that people haven't put away. The washing needs to be done. The lawn needs to be mowed. This is all very hypothetical, by the way. You know, I've heard that such houses, this sort of thing happens sometimes in people's houses. What does a follower of Christ do at that point? Well, we focus on how we can help and serve others, rather than how they can help and serve us. We look to their interests rather than our own. Or at work, or at school, or uni, when when others need our help. It may cost us our time, our effort, maybe even our own success, our own advancement, our own progress but as a follower of Christ Jesus, and because we're a follower of Christ Jesus, we look not to our own interests, but to the interests of others. You know, having the same mindset as Christ Jesus means we do crazy things, like like give up our own TV viewing for the TV viewing of another. Give up our desire for solitude for the sake of a spouse or friend who needs to talk. Or maybe give up our desire to talk for the sake of a spouse or a friend who needs some solitude. Or we, we do crazy things like give up our nice, comfortable, well-ordered life to to get involved with the brokenness and, and mess of someone else's life who needs our help. Or give up a Sunday morning sleep in for the to set up church for other people. Or give up a few hours each week to teach scripture to kids so they have a chance to learn about Jesus. Now, when we do all these things, are we being a, a hero? No. We're just doing what Christ calls us to do. We're having the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Sometimes this can be a real struggle, can't it? And we might wonder, how? How can we do this? How, how can we do this thing that we know is right, that, and yet so often we struggle to put into practice? Well, God's Word has two things to say to us. At this point, firstly, it says this is something we need to to work at. Verse 12 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, Obedience, expressing this attitude, it's something that needs to be continually worked on. It's ongoing. It's important to realize it's not saying our salvation comes from our works of obedience. We're saved only through Jesus, through his death for us. We work in our lives so that they, they fit with the salvation that Christ has given us. We work out, we express our salvation. And we do that with fear and trembling. I now, mean, why fear and trembling? What's, what's that about? Well, Paul uses this, this couplet, fear and trembling, in four places in his letters. And each time it has a sense of awe and reverence and veneration, which makes sense here because as the next verse explains, it says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God is at work in you and in me if our trust is in Jesus. Another version puts it like this. It says, For the one bringing forth in you both the desire and the effort for the sake of his good pleasure is God. God is at work in us. And our response to that reality should be fear and trembling, awe, reverence. And I think that works in, in two ways. If we're a bit um, complacent about sin in our lives, you know, we find ourselves sort of saying, oh, I, know I, shouldn't, I probably shouldn't do that. I probably shouldn't be selfish in that way. Uh, I guess I should do something about that, that issue. But it's not a big deal. Other people do it, and the the list of excuses and justifications sort of start coming in. If that's you, hear this. God is at work in you. If your trust is in his son, the Lord Jesus, God is at work in you, bringing about the desire and the action to do his will. So take heed. Don't be complacent. Fear God and tremble. God is at work in you. If you're complacent about sin, take heed. I think on the other hand, if maybe you're not complacent about sin, maybe, maybe you're discouraged by sin. Maybe you're weighed down by some struggle with anger or lust or greed or whatever it is. And, and it's just hard. It's just hard to stick to the right path. It can seem like it's, it's beyond your ability and actually left to yourself. It is beyond your ability John 8.34 says, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Sin is a slavery left to ourselves. If you're discouraged by sin, take heart. God is at work in you. He's at work in us to, to, to bring about the desire and the effort to live according to his good purpose. So take heart, continue to work at it, because God is at work in you. What will this this living for the interests of others what will it, what will it look like? Well, verse 14 gives us the examples of it. It says, "Do everything without grumbling or arguing." That's easy, isn't it I, I think as a culture we're not very good at this. Um, we complain and grumble about all sorts of things it's It's a national pastime I think you know the the TV show grumpy old Men, Grumpy old Women it comes on sometimes it's It's funny, isn't it? it it's funny because it's true. It's true of us. I mean, just hang out with the parents in the, in the school car park and the aptly named car park mafia or, or people in the lunchroom at work or the playground at school. And, what do you hear? Often it's criticism, it's complaining, it's grumbling, it's arguing. For many people, grumbling and arguing is just normal. Friends, we need to be different at this point. That's what God's word says. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a warped and crooked generation, where then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. We are to stand out. We're to be different. We're to shine like stars. I mean, wouldn't it be good if people said, she hardly ever complains or argues. She's different. He, he doesn't get caught up in the politics and the squabbles. He, he's different. Now, we're not doing that for our own glory so that people would think how awesome we are. We're simply living to serve Jesus and it's only because of him that, that we can do this. And that's what he calls us to do. But we can do it. Why? Well, because we have the word of life that we're holding on to. We have the good news of Jesus the one who saves us, who calls us, the one who works in us and empowers us to change and to live differently. We're not to live for our own interests, but for his. We have something or someone so much bigger than the circumstances that lead us to complain or argue. So friends, hold on to the word of life, Christ Jesus. He has died for you and risen again for you to save you and he calls upon you and me to be like Timothy, to be like Epaphroditus, to be like Paul, to be like him? Well, in terms of implications, let me leave you with three questions. Firstly, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Accepted what he's done for you? I mean, maybe, maybe you know, the golden rule, you, you like that, you live by that, you, you do unto others that you try to do that. That's great. But, you know, just that on its own is like trying to sort of patch up a disease with a band-aid. You've actually got to address the underlying disease of, of our relationship with God, of our need for forgiveness, of our need for relationship with God. And Jesus has come to give us that. And he calls on us to acknowledge him as the one who humbled himself, who was exalted and who is now Lord. If you haven't done that, can I urge you to do that? Admit your need for forgiveness before God. Ask Him for forgiveness. And give your life to follow and serve and acknowledge Jesus as Lord. Get the foundation right. And if you have done that, secondly, let me ask are you living this? Are you looking to the interests of others? We know it, we we agree with it, are we doing it? Let's keep doing it. Let's continue to do it. As, As the Bible says, just as you have always obeyed, continue to work out your salvation. Is your life at home expressing this? How are things between you and your spouse if you're married? Or with your kids or your parents or your siblings? Are you living the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, looking to the interests of others, not to your own interests? How about at work? Are you working out your salvation with fear and trembling, remembering that the God is at work in you? If you're complacent about sin, take heed. God is at work in you. If you're discouraged by sin, take heart. God is at work in you. He's complaining and arguing and grumbling. Is that an issue that actually you need to address? You need to change? Are we living this? How can we continue to live this in response to the gospel? Thirdly, let me ask, how will you look to the interests of others as a partner in the gospel? As I said before, we're, uh, we're calling this series in Philippians our partnership series because partnerships is theme, this thread that runs throughout the book. Paul and, and the Philippians, they were partners in the gospel and that expressed itself in, in different ways. We're partners in the gospel and that'll express itself in, in different ways. Uh, at the conclusion of our series, we're going to have our partnership Sunday and gift day and we're looking to uh, through that to increase our commitment to global mission, to partnering together with organisations like CMS, like Compassion, Moore College, AFES, BCA and, and we're going to Alongside of that, we're also going to be looking at raising quite a significant amount of money to support our local mission through our church. That's great. They're great things to do. And we'll hear more about that in the coming weeks. But, you know, it's vital that we think about why, why we would do that. What motivates that sort of partnership? It's the gospel of the grace of Jesus. Our partnership as we share together in God's grace. And so we strive to have that same mindset as Christ Jesus, to look not to our own interests but to the interests of others. The reason we support the Box family in prayer and in giving is because we're looking to the interests of others. The reason we give $100 or $1,000 to support our local mission is because we're looking to the interests of others. The reason we commit to pray regularly for the work of Moore College is because we're looking to the interests of others. So let me ask you, in, in the coming days and weeks, think about how you can look to the interests of others as a partner in the gospel. Obviously, it's, uh, how we do that is, is much bigger and much more far-reaching than just Partnership Sunday and Gift Day. But it includes that. So let's look to the interests of others in partnership together and in partnership with our brothers and sisters throughout the world in different ways. The golden rule says do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Yep, it's true. It's a good motto to live by. But here's an even better one. Do unto others as Christ Jesus has done unto you. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others, each of you to the interests of Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father God, we do thank you and praise you for your grace to us in the Lord Jesus. We thank you that while we were still your enemies, Christ died for us. Father, we thank you for that word of life. We ask that you would help us to... Continue to to work out, to express our salvation in the way that we live. Forgive us for the times when we fail to do that. Thank you that Jesus has died, that we can be forgiven. Father, please help us to look not to our own interests, but to the interests of others. Father, we thank you that you are at work in us. What an incredible and amazing thing. Father, please continue to grow us, change us, continue that work to transform us and help us to hold on to the word of life and to shine like stars, to point others to you, that they may come to know and trust the Lord Jesus and to live for his praise and honour. And we ask this in his name. Amen.